Pulse 95 Live from the Sharjah International Book Fair at the Expo Centre Sharjah. Everybody, good afternoon and welcome back to our live coverage of the Sharjah International Book Fair. We've got a very special guest uh, with us this afternoon, uh, Lincoln Purse. The author of the comic strip uh, Big Nate's been running for over 30 years and has evolved into an all-encompassing media franchise. There are novels, <laughs> there's a musical, now they're turning it into a TV show. Uh, first of all, good afternoon, welcome to the program. Good afternoon, thank you for having me. Thank you for coming on. Well, what's it like uh, coming here to the SIBF, uh, doing that talk you just did? Well, how did that go? That went great. I had heard tales about this event for a number of years and had actually been invited uh, on a few occasions before and just could never make it happen. Um, and the descriptions don't even do it justice. It's just an incredible event. I was just talking to some other authors in the green room about there really is no equivalent to this in the States, you know, in terms of uh, a book fair this expansive that is you know attended by the public in such numbers and that you know really has such an emphasis on multiculturalism multiculturalism you know literacy reading as opposed to you know in the states you have book fairs but they're more sort of inside publishing you have like comic cons but those are more about like movies and pop culture and stuff so this is really kind of a truly unique event that's interesting. Now, um, let's talk about your interest in creating comics. So, what got you into creating comics? Comics got me interested in comics. <laughs> comics got you. <laughs> what were you reading? I, I was reading newspaper comics mm -hmm. from when I could read. And I did read other kinds of comics. I read comic books. But for me, you know, that was my, my North Star was newspaper comics. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, I'm 59 years old. I grew up in an era in the States where... I think literally every household got at least one mm -hmm. daily newspaper, and they all had great comic sections. That's amazing. So we got we got a morning paper and an afternoon paper, and so I, I got to read two different comic sections, and I just became fascinated by them, particularly Peanuts, mm -hmm. Charles Schultz. You know, he, he, he did his comic strip for 50 years, from 1950 to 2000. And when I was growing up, Peanuts was the most popular comic strip in the world. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It was everywhere. And he was my hero. And, and one day I realized this is not just something that magically appears in the paper. This is something that some person is sitting down and doing, and it's his job. Mm -hmm. And maybe I could do that. So, yeah, so from when, a pretty when did that young age. When did you have that thought? Uh, I think probably in about fourth or fifth grade. Fourth or fifth mm. grade. Yeah. And uh, can you tell me some more as well about what you found so compelling about, about those comic strips? about all comic strips or about Peanuts in particular? The, the ones you were interested in, Peanuts. Well, Peanuts was really unlike other comic strips. Other comic strips really had an emphasis on sort of like the joke of the day. Like, okay, here's a, here's a funny gag, you know? <laughs> and Peanuts was really much more emotional. You know, the characters were so deep and it was an unusual comic strip because in, even though it was very funny, it was also very sad mm -hmm. because Charlie Brown never wins at anything. Mm -hmm. You know, he's sort of, you know, comics most famous all-time loser. Mm -hmm. And yet there's an optimism there because he never stops trying. Mm -hmm. And I think that even as a young kid, I really sort of 
glommed onto that and appreciated like you know Charlie Brown is amazing because no matter how badly things go he just keeps on plugging and I really like that and, and I didn't see that in other comics that's amazing now let's talk about character development now when you correct your own you create your own characters for your comics do you associate them with people that you know in real life not so much I mean a lot of times I'm asked you know who who is Big Nate is Big Nate based on a real person mm -hmm. and really I think that most of the characters in in my work certainly they're informed by real life people but I don't base characters directly on real people mm -hmm. I think it just becomes kind of an amalgam of your experiences so you know I might I might grab a name from my past here and there to mm -hmm. name a character yeah. uh, or a particular character might exhibit some tendencies mm -hmm. that some real-life person had but I think for the most part they really are more made up than they are based in reality. How would you describe Nate Wright, the protagonist of Big Nate? I would describe him as um, a energetic young man who has mm -hmm. sort of an inflated opinion of his own place in the world as his own abilities. You know, he's, as, as many children are, and I don't say this in a, like a negative or a judgmental way, but as many children are, he's sort of self-absorbed. Mm -hmm. You know, kids really, you know, they're sort of the stars of their own lives. You know, they haven't quite developed that adult ability to kind of see outside of like how is this going to affect me mm -hmm. and Nate is that to the extreme so um, but I think that if I, if I push it that too hard he becomes unlikable so I, I try to find this balance where he's self-obsessed but he still somehow has this charm mm -hmm. you know that you can't really hold it against him yeah and I I find that a, a, a fun challenge to sort of maintain that that balance and, and what's the other thing I'm wondering about as well as uh, the, the, the longevity of Big Nate, the fact that it's been around for so long, what do you think, why do you think it continues to appeal to so many different generations of people and, and has this enduring appeal for this, for, this, for this amount of time? I think it depends on who the readers are because I think nowadays I have more kid readers than I have adults. Mm -hmm. But when I started the comic strip, I really did it for readers of all ages. And I really thought I was making it sort of for people who were feeling nostalgic about their childhoods, you know? Because my own memories of middle school are incredibly vivid. I remember things about sixth grade much more clearly than I remember things that happened just a couple of years ago Same, in many yeah. cases. That's true. Right? And so, and sixth grade, at least, you know, depending on what part of the country you live in or what part of the world, it might not be this way, but where I grew up, sixth grade, which is where Nate Wright lives, is the first year of middle school. And it's just a seismic change because in elementary school, you're sort of in a little cocoon. It's like you're in the same classroom every day with one teacher. You have your little cubby hole yeah. and your little table or whatever. But then all of a sudden you go to sixth grade and you're the smallest kid in the school. 
you have six different teachers instead of one. You have a locker in the middle of the hallway with all these seventh and eighth graders going by, and they're huge. <laughs> yeah. And and all of a sudden, you have things that are a part of your life that weren't part of your life before, like school dances, mm-hmm. intramural sports. You know, these things that just aren't part of the equation as a fourth grader, say. And so my memories of sixth grade were so vivid that I thought, you know, I'm just going to put them in sixth grade and I don't think I'm going to run out of material. And, <laughs> and so readers of a certain age, I think, can look at it and say, yeah, that's what sixth grade was like. And kids who are Nate Wright's age now, I think, think it's, you know, it feels authentic to them, you know, because Nate's not a kid. You know, one of the criticisms about um, comic strips featuring kids is that a lot of times they're too they're too articulate. Mm-hmm. They're they're too eloquent. You know, it's like that's not how a sixth grader talks. You know, so so I try to make sa- make Nate sound, you know, like a real kid. You know, and not have him sort of essentially be a miniaturized adult. And so I think that that explains some of the appeal too, because I think, you know, whether it's comics or whether it's movies or anything, I think kids know when you're faking it, right? Mm-hmm, it's like, mm-hmm. so you just want them to feel like, yeah, this is authentic. This is this is something that reminds me of my own life. Right. So now Big Nate has been appearing in like right, daily on like probably more than 400 newspapers and it's going online and it's very very long it's been running for a very 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 long time now with regards of the storyline do you ever get stuck of course do you ever get stuck (laughs) like you feel like you're running out of ideas you don't know what to do next yeah I think you know I've been doing it for 32 years and I, I do think there's a shelf life I mean I can't see doing this when I'm 80. I'm 59 now. (laughs) And I I do think that at a certain point, I will notice that the quality has diminished. And I'll say, yeah, you know, I've, how how many jokes can I do about a school dance or a soccer game or something like that? And so um, I think longevity is is another thing that you have to- It's a struggle. To, to look at as it's a positive, obviously, it means that people respond to your work, but it can also be a double-edged sword where it's like, I don't want to overstay my welcome either. You know, I would like to, when I decide to shutter Big Nate and end it, I want to feel like I'm sort of still making strips, still telling stories that are, are fresh. And if it feels like it's not fresh, then I think I'll stop. And do you think there's a difference between the way children used to think before and now? Because probably it might be very difficult yeah. to get a sixth grader at this time to... I think, so, you know, I think that's why I, I try to deal with themes that I feel like are almost kind of universal, where mm-hmm. it's like no matter what the sort of props that kids have, no matter how those things change. I mean, obviously, when I started Big Nate, there were no cell phones. There's no TikTok. Mm-hmm. You know, there's no TikTok. None of, you know, none of Absolutely. the stuff that obviously is such a huge part of our life today. And and I really have never, I mean, I'll occasionally show Nate talking on a cell phone or something like that. But for the most part, I avoid the sorts of props that can sort of 
place the strip in a certain time because I want someone, if someone's reading it 30 years from now, I just want them to think of it as sort of this timeless thing mm -hmm. that deals with themes that are, are pretty universal. I mean, whether a kid is growing up in the 2020s or the 1990s, mm -hmm. it's like you're still going to get your heart broken, you know, by like the first kid you have a crush on, you know, you're still going to, you know, have your a teacher that you just struggle to, you know, connect with it all. And I think those themes, they never go out of style. And what's it like as well working with, with different mediums? So we know Big Nate was turned into, for, for instance, a series of novels at some point. So when you when you start working with different formats, how does that impact uh, the way you approach the work? The, the novels were super fun for me because I had been doing the comic strip at that time for about 18 years. And I had never written a book. And then I got the chance, and my editor, I, I said to my editor, I said, you, you, you understand I've never written a book before, right? And she said, <laughs> she said yes, but you, you can do it because, look, you, have, you know the characters so well. And I thought, yeah, she's right. You know, it's really just telling a story, a longer story, essentially. But there were differences that I had to learn about, one of which was that now instead of doing a comic strip for readers of all ages, I was doing these, I call them hybrid books. They're a combination of comics and text. Mm -hmm. And they're specifically for kids. They're for readers, say, age eight to 12. And that's a different kind of writing when you're writing specifically for kids. So I sort of had to learn that. I had to learn about finding the balance between, on the page, between comics and text. Because some things are gonna work better in a paragraph and other things are gonna work better in a speech bubble. Mm. And that was just sort of trial and error, like figuring out. But I loved it. I mean, I didn't know if I would like writing books, but I did. And, um, and yeah, that opened up a whole new world for me. And that, that really was what led to Big Nate sort of becoming this kind of like mm -hmm. unlikely mid-career success. Because yeah, up to up. that point, I had been doing it for 18 years and it was sort of chugging along, but it wasn't getting any bigger. And I thought, well, I'm making a living from it, but I wish I could find a way for more people to see it. And then all of a sudden, there it was, the novels. Yeah. So that was great. A lot of people have seen it. It's been translated into so many different languages as well. And then you have the Big Nate musical, and now you got the animated series. Yeah. What's it like when it just it expands to such a, a degree? Is that scary? <laughs> it's, it's a process of letting go, because when you do it, you know, I work alone at home in my office, and I'm the only one who thinks of the jokes, I'm the only one who draws them. But when you're doing a TV show or a musical, you are a collaborator with an entire staff of people. I mean, I don't know how many people work on this TV show, mm -hmm. but I mean, they've got a writer's room that has five or six writers in it. They've got probably like five or six dozen people working on you know, storyboards and character design and all this stuff. And all of a sudden, you know that, okay, my fingerprints are still on this, but I, I have to let go to some point, I, you know, I have to let the writers write stories that they want to write, and I'll try to make it sound more like I think the character should sound, and if I feel like I can make a joke funnier, I will. So you're, you're very involved still, somehow. 
Yeah, I'm involved as a, I think my official title is like consulting producer. Oh wow! <laughs> but I could, I just call myself a script doctor because yeah. essentially, my biggest job is to look at the scripts and just try to make tweaks. Mm. Do you feel like you've let go, or is it still? Does it bug you sometimes mm -hmm. that they're what they're doing? It. I wouldn't say bugs me. No. Okay. I, I would say I'm I'm aware sometimes if they. If the, if the writers come up with a storyline or a joke, mm -hmm. I'll be aware, I'll think, well, that's not one I would have written, but that doesn't mean it's not great. You know, mm -hmm. it can be great, and especially because, you know, I don't have a background in animation, mm -hmm. and so I am learning that sometimes something on a page that might not look like, it's like, how are we gonna pull this off? Is this, is this gonna work? Is this funny? And then you see it on a screen, uh and it mm -hmm. works brilliantly. Right. So I think TV writers, they know better than I do, certainly, what's gonna work in animation and what won't, but I'm, I'm sort of learning as I go. Right, so to a certain way, or you, you are satisfied with the work that's going out. Oh, I'm, I'm thrilled. Definitely. It's been, it's, been, it's been a great experience. You know, the, I'm working with the folks at Nickelodeon Studios, and, um, and it airs on Paramount Plus in the States, and, um, Considering some of the horror stories I've heard from some friends of mine who are either authors or cartoonists about mm. movie or TV deals gone wrong, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I feel really, really lucky. And for someone who wants to get into creating comic strips themselves, because I, I see a lot of talents as well on the internet, uh, just sort of put stuff out in this very, very DIY way as well. What would, you, what would you tell those people? I would tell them that it's a great time to be a cartoonist, even as the markets have changed. Because mm -hmm. when I was starting, newspapers still ruled the day. And each major syndicate, there were a bunch of major syndicates, and each one would roll out a new comic strip like three times a year. That's a lot of content. That's a lot of new content every year. And it, it was a pretty dynamic sort of business model. But now, newspapers are not what they once were and syndicates are not, they're not introducing new mm -hmm. comics onto the comics pages anymore. New comics are showing up on the web. Yeah. And sometimes, as you said, it's DIY stuff. Sometimes, you know, a syndicate will just say, well, we're not gonna sell this into papers, but we're gonna put it on Go Comics. And people will see it there. And so, you can get your comics out there in a way that you couldn't when I was a young person. You can just, if you got a scanner, you know, make your stuff, scan it, put it mm -hmm. out on the web, and you know, there are people who have really built impressive careers for themselves as, as web cartoonists. Uh, can we talk about the comic strip's future? Because now with animation going on, with the visuals and the, the audio the visuals, the animation, do you think people will be less interested in comics now? I don't think they'll be less interested in comics in general. I mean, comics in general are driving culture in a way that it's like, look at, look at movies. Look mm -hmm. at how many movies are based on comics, you know, right. superhero comics. Right. I mean, yes, true. so in that sense, comics are more mainstream than ever. They're more sort of relevant to pop culture than ever in a way. But certainly comic strips are a different thing. You know, mm -hmm. newspaper comic strips I think 
there's always going to be an appetite for that format of a daily strip yeah. um, that people just sort of get used to and expect and want to read every day. But I don't know if those are going to be appearing mm -hmm. in newspapers 20 years from now. I don't know mm -hmm. if there are going to be any print newspapers 20 years sure. from now. And wh what are your thoughts also on those uh, internet memes or image macros? <laughs> or have, you, have you seen any of that stuff? Does this strike you as somehow, not similar, but obviously it's nowhere near the same, but maybe maybe they're, they're in a way that's like a strip, like here's you're a little, right. Yeah. You're right, it is It is very similar. You know, I think there's a lot of, there are a lot of like super creative people, <laughs> yeah. you know, creating memes, putting stuff on TikTok, you know, whatever. And I can't say I follow it, you okay. know, very carefully, but I mean, I'm certainly aware when something's sort of when there's sort of like a viral quality to something. And, <laughs> and that's something that newspaper comic strips, even in their heyday, could not really approximate. You know, you can't get that immediate, instant sort of, holy smokes, this is blowing up, you know. It was a much more slow burn mm. with newspaper comics. Um, you know, you sort of built an audience over, and, and a client list of newspapers over the course of years and years, not just like, Wow! All of a sudden, you know, some kid from Connecticut is a TikTok star. <laughs> yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. <laughs> and uh, uh, what do you look forward to now uh, that your session just wrapped up at the Sharjah International Book Fair? What do you look forward to doing here at the Expo? Well, I haven't really had a chance to just wander around all that much, you know, because I've been uh, last couple of days. I've done school visits. I visited a couple of local schools, so I have the afternoon to myself now, so I think I'm literally just gonna kind of walk around. There might be a session or two I could sit in on, you know? So I really feel like I wanna drink in the whole atmosphere a little more mm -hmm. than I've been able to in my first couple of days here, because I'm leaving, I'm going back to the States tomorrow. So, oh, wow, okay. So this is my, uh, this afternoon is my last opportunity, so. Well, you've got lots to take in. I hope you enjoy it, and uh, thank you so much for joining us. It's been an honor. Thank you, had a great time. Uh, likewise, it was amazing, thank you so much. Stay tuned to Pulse 95, we'll keep the discussions from the book fair going right here on Pulse 95.